Seven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We thank God for his word. Um, It's great to be with you in this Go series, a series on mission, the mission of God. Just a quick reminder, um, the mission of God belongs to him. It's God's mission, and the origin of mission resides in him and who he is. Our God is a God of mission, and Helen led you so well. Um, I have been listening online. Helen led you so well into this series, thinking about that big truth that God is a God of mission. The mission belongs to him. And then last week, Dave was at the front talking about how the people of God's mission, that is who we are. We are the people um, who are at the, the forefront of the mission of God. Dave took us through um, some pivotal moments in the Old Testament um, and reminded us that God has always had a people, his people who would be chosen, redeemed, restored, and distinct, set apart for his mission here on earth. This is us. That is who we are. What a great reminder, Dave, that that is who we are as the church, as the people of God. We are those somehow chosen. Miraculously, we have been redeemed and restored by Jesus. And we are distinct. We're set apart for his purposes here on earth. That is who you are, central. You are that people. This is who you are. You are not just here to see converts, as Dave reminded you last week. We're here to make disciples, to see people walk in the way of Jesus and to go into this world in his name. I too love that quote that you've been basing this series on, that Chris Wright definition of mission. Let me just remind you of what that is. Chris Wright says this. He says, fundamentally, our mission, if it's biblically informed and validated, means our committed participation as God's people at God's invitation and command in God's own mission within the history of God's world for the redemption of God's creation. It's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? But what a definition of mission. We're going to be thinking about part of that this morning. Um, To be invited into something is really special, isn't it? When was the last time you were invited into something special? Maybe it was a wedding. Anyone been invited uh, to a wedding recently? Those moments are always really special invitations. But do you know how hazardous it is whenever it comes to wedding invitations? Just to be wary of this. I read a story this week. You'll know how this goes. I read a story this week about a girl, a young girl who was getting married. There was a group of five family friends that she wanted to invite um, to her wedding. It was a a group of four, a mom, dad, and their two children who lived together, and then the granny, um, the mom's mom. And the family of four got their invite in the post ahead of the granny. That's an important uh, key point in the story. Um, The granny was livid. 
Whenever she found out that they had got their invites, the granny declared that she wouldn't have gone to the wedding anyway. (laughs) She also accused the bride-to-be and her sister of being stuck up and of looking smug in their Facebook profile picture together. You know how it goes. Ouch, granny, that hurt. I mean, that's an awful comment. Then she sorted through her own mail and she found her invitation to the same wedding. Needless to say, the story changed. She was now going to the wedding. She was making a big deal about how she got her own personal invitation. She must be more important than the other four in the family. It's the power of invitation. Invitation holds power. And it's that line in Chris Wright's definition on mission that I want us to think about this morning, that as God's people, our participation in his mission is at God's invitation and command. We're only on mission because God invites us to participate in what he's already doing here on earth. He invites us and he also commands us to go. So three big thoughts for you this morning um, as we think about this. The first one is on the screen. The mission of God is both invitation and command. The mission of God is both invitation and command. See, if the word mission describes the overall purpose within which we exist, the mission of God, then the word commission describes our sending by God. We are sent by him to partner with him in this world and what he's doing here on planet earth. We're we're sent by God. The great commission reveals this to us. We know that there is no mission. There is no mission for us as the people of God here on earth without the good news of Jesus. We're here to make his name known. We exist for the fame of his name for the glory of the name of Jesus. And we know that victory over Satan's sin and death has already been won by the Lord Jesus. That's good news, isn't it? That's the side of victory that we walk in. The victory has already been won and we go in the name, the victorious name of Jesus as we're invited into the mission of God. See, in those familiar words, the Great Commission, those verses that that we've just read a few moments ago, we have this moment where Jesus, post-crucifixion, post-resurrection, meets the 11 disciples on this mountainside. He appears to them on a mountainside in Galilee um, to the remaining 11 disciples. There's something, the Spirit of God really impressed something on my heart as I prepared for this today. And I want to take notice of something. Look at verse 11. Because we read in verse 11 and we can't fail to notice this. That the 11 are filled with two, two things. They're filled with a mixture of worship and doubt. They're filled with worship and doubt. We read that when they saw Jesus, they, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Now that could translate, um, scholars, biblical scholars would tell us that that can translate something like this. They worshipped, but they doubted. They they worshipped, but they doubted. They worshipped Jesus, but they doubted. It's not surprising in light of everything that had just happened. 
There was a mixture of, of, of worship existing with some doubt in their hearts. They, they had questions. They couldn't fully comprehend what was going on in that moment, what had led up to this moment on the mountainside. And I think it's really important that, that we say this this morning, that there's space here in this place among the people of God for doubt and worship to coexist. It's okay for you to have questions. It's part of our faith. We're called to work out our salvation, and part of that is asking good questions. Part of that involves some kind of doubt in our hearts where we know that in our our humanity, in our fleshiness, we, we have questions. We don't have it all worked out. See, the invitation to participate in the mission of God is not for those who have it all worked out. For those who have no questions, for those without a trace of doubt in their hearts. You know, maybe you're here this morning. I don't know what your story is. It's part of the beauty of, uh, for me to walk in here. Um, I don't know all of your stories. I don't know your journey to this point. I don't know why you're here. I don't know what's happened to you in your life. But maybe within you, there has been reason for you to have questions. Maybe things have happened in your life or your journey to this point has been filled with doubt. Somehow you come to the feet of Jesus and you bring all of that into this space. You come here to worship him. You know he alone is to be worshipped. You know his name is above every other name. But in your heart, you've questions, you've got doubts, there's stuff swirling around in your mind and deep within you. Well, the invitation into mission extends to you. Even with your mix of worship, your, your worship and doubt, your questions, your fears about the unknown, your questions about people in your life and, and how this is all going to work out. Think of what's just happened with the eleven. Think of what happened in the days leading up to this point. Judas, one of their number, he was one of the 12. He betrayed Jesus. And then he goes and he ends his own life. They were aware of that. Think about Jesus, their rabbi, their their teacher, their leader, their, their friend, the one they lived with, walked with, journeyed with, the one that they followed, the one that they looked to. Think about what has just happened to Jesus. Mocked and beaten, flogged crucified in front of the crowds, Jesus is dead. He was dead. He had died in front of their eyes, buried, and then miraculously raised to life again. And here he is in front of this group of his followers, the 11, and they're in front of him, and they're, they're slightly hesitant. They have hesitation. And it's recorded for us by Matthew that there was this strange mix of worship and doubt. They were unsure exactly of what's just happened and they don't know what's to come. They were unsure of what was happening in the moment and they did not know what lay in front of them. And it's okay. Jesus is quite okay with that. He understands what they're dealing with and he understands what you're going through today. If you're here and you've questions, if you're here and you've got doubts, it's okay. It's okay to carry that into the place of worship. And it's in this moment, it's into that moment that Jesus commissions the 11 with all of their worship and all of their doubt 
to go, to go into the world, to make his name known, to go on the Great Commission, partnering with the heart of God. He invites them and he invites us with all of that that's going on within us to join the mission. Jesus sends them. John 20, 21 to 22. Dave, you've already prayed this. And Jesus in another post-resurrection moment speaks to his disciples and he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then he breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful moment. Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. See, the Great Commission is a great invitation from Jesus. It's a great invitation to join and participate in the mission of God here on earth, here in Belfast. But it's also a great command from Jesus. You see, the the Great Commission, it seems to me, is not optional. It's not like, you know, if you feel like going into the world, you can maybe you have the option of that. Jesus doesn't give us the option. It's a command to go. Even with all of the questions that we might have as we join the community of faith, the people of God, a worshiping community like this, the command is to go. To go and make disciples, not just converts, to go and make disciples who will follow in the way of Jesus. We don't have time for a full exegesis of these words. Um, but the, the command to go has at least three following commands that follow after that. Go into all the world. The first one is to make disciples of all nations, all people groups. Go and make disciples. Secondly, baptize them. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You guys did this a few weeks ago. Praise God for baptisms in Jesus' name. And then teach them. Teach them to obey, Jesus says, everything that I have commanded you. It's a command to go, to make disciples, to baptize and to teach. That's the work that Carmoni Church are committed to. That's the work that Central is committed to. We're committed to this call to go into the world, make disciples, to see people come to faith in Jesus, to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then we teach people to walk in the way of Jesus. That's how we experience the blessing of God. And so Jesus sends them. We participate with God in his mission here on earth. It's both invitation and command. Secondly, the invitation and command of mission is sourced in Jesus' incarnation. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Christmas, Dave, you've mentioned it. Lydia, you mentioned it this morning. Um, Christmas is just around the corner. Imagine it's that time of year again, and we will celebrate the incarnation of Jesus. No doubt we'll sing Hark the herald angels sing, and um, where that line come field and flesh, the Godhead see, heal the incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel, Jesus God incarnate, Jesus God in skin, God in flesh, Jesus who set up life and home here on earth in order to fulfill the mission that God sent 
him on. Jesus didn't come halfway. He didn't come half-hearted. Jesus brought everything into this world, fullness of God in helpless babe, pleased as man with man to dwell. And he gave himself fully to the task that his father had sent him to accomplish, that he, was, that he would give his life for us, that he would give his life for us, that he would come, that he would sacrifice himself for the sake of this world. In love he would come, not halfway, not half-hearted. He came and he laid himself down for the sake of this world. And so our invitation into the mission of God is sourced in Jesus' incarnation. As he was sent, so he sends us. He came so that we must go in his name. And so as we understand this call to mission, the incarnation of Jesus is at the very heart of who we are as the people of God. In their book, The Shaping of Things to Come, the authors Michael Frost and Alan Hurst, they, they write about this incarnational approach to mission. And here's what they say about the church. I think this is brilliant. They say that the church will leave its, its own religious zones and it will live comfortably with non-church goers seeping into the host culture like salt and light. We will be an infiltrating, transformational community. What a brilliant definition. Whenever we believe and know that the incarnation of Jesus is at the heart of who we are as the people of God, we will leave our religious zones. Praise God. Central church, leave the religious zone. Don't just stay here. We leave the religious zone. We leave this zone that we're in where we're surrounded and where we're filled with the presence of God. And we're invited to go and live comfortably in this world with non-churchgoers, with people who have no idea about this mission that we talk about. We comfortably go and we become this infiltrating, transformational community within the city within which God has placed us. Central, you're called to go, to leave the religious zone, to go and live comfortably with people who don't know Jesus. Let your life seep into those environments wherever you go. Let your life and therefore the presence of Jesus seep in to those environments. People won't even realize it. But through you, they encounter the Lord Jesus. They encounter the presence of God. They encounter the Holy Spirit at work because you are there. You know, we want this. We want this gathering. This, I mean, this is brilliant. It's unbelievable to be here. To worship with you is doing my heart good. I've had a hard week, just one of those weeks. But to worship with you, my spirits are lifted. The Spirit of God is here. This gathering is stunning. This gathering is beautiful. The presence of God is here. And so we say, yes, God, we want this to be an attractive place in this city. Don't, don't we want that? We want this to be an attractive place in the middle of this city that we love. We want people to come and see. Come in here through those doors. Come and see what the Lord has done. We want that to happen. We want people to come and hear the good news of Jesus, to walk in through these doors with all of their brokenness, with all of their heartache and pain, with all of their joys and jubilations, whatever it might be. Come and hear. 
come into this space and encounter the presence of God, but we don't wait for them. We're not waiting for people to come. We're not just waiting for people to flock through the doors. We go. That's what the heart of this series is about. We go. We go into this world. The command is to go. The invitation from Jesus is to join in what he's doing in this city and to go. To go as chosen people. Redeemed people. Restored by God. Distinct in this world. To go incarnationally infiltrating every environment that God has placed you in. To seep through that environment, to let them know and sense and taste and see the goodness and the presence of God, the life-giving presence of the Holy Spirit. How our world needs you to go, to be that presence. And so finally, as we go, we must understand that there are no no no-go areas. There are no no no-go people. There are no no no-go places where the Spirit of God cannot work. That was one of the key learnings for me in my early 20s, many years ago now. I remember just having this astonishing revelation that God wasn't just at work wherever I went, but that God was already at work in this world. God was working all around me. God was already at work in people's lives and environments that I never, ever expected. God is always at work in this world. And so this idea of invitation is really important because we're invited to participate in what God is already doing in this world. The command is to go, but we're invited to participate in what the Spirit of God is already doing in places that you might not even believe that He can work. There are no no no-go areas for God. Nobody is out of reach. No place is too difficult. No person's heart is too uh, too hard. No environment is too tough. For the Spirit of God to work. See, it's our job to listen to the Spirit's prompting, to see where God is working, and to join Him in what He's doing. So the question is, where is God already at work in your life? Just close your eyes, think of people. Picture people in your mind's eye. Who is there in your life? In your family? In your workplace, colleagues, clients? on your university campus, friends, who is, picture people, who is there? Who is God wanting you to go to? Maybe you spend every day with them, but as yet you have not really had the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus that that makes you who you are, that fills you with life in his name. Who is there? There are no no no-go people with Jesus. Nowhere is no go, no person is no go. See, in our postmodern Northern Irish culture, within which we're nestled, you're right here in the middle of an increasingly secular, post Christian, post culture Northern Irish community. But we must not be afraid. Central, don't ever be afraid to be disturbing of life to be that prophetic voice 
Our generation, this world needs that. Our city needs you to be that. Do not ever be afraid to be disturbing of life. Don't ever be afraid to be that prophetic voice. To bring the kingdom of God wherever you go. To bring that sense of a a Christ-centered future that is possible for everyone you encounter. That's who we are. And so as we go, the Great Commission has these, there are these two beautiful, vital statements of Jesus that lock in the Great Commission. Look at verse 18b, the second part of verse 18. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then in verse 20b, the second part of verse 20, Jesus says, surely I'm with you always even until the end of the age. So Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And therefore is within you as the people of God, all authority in heaven and on earth. And then Jesus gives that wonderful promise, surely I am with you, even until the very end of the age. John Stott encapsulates what's contained within this so well. When he says this, listen to this. He says his authority, Jesus' authority on earth, allows us to dare to go to all the nations. His authority in heaven gives us our only hope of success. And his presence on earth leaves us with no other choice. His authority on earth allows us to dare to go to all people no matter who they are. His authority in heaven, that is our only hope of success. He has already won. All authority is in the name of Jesus. And his presence with us gives us no other other choice, no other option. He is here. His presence is among us as the people of God. Authority and presence. Heaven touching earth. That's who we are as the people of God. In moments like this, we sense the authority of heaven. The authority of King Jesus is here in this place. Heaven touches earth when we gather as the people of God to worship the name of Jesus. His presence is among us. The call is to go in his name.